Greetings, Alpha Seekers. Welcome to Nugent Ventures. I got to lead with our top story today. Uh, Bruce Springsteen got arrested for drunk driving. You can't arrest the boss. Come on. If the big man was around, I mean, he would take care of business here, you know. Uh, the sax player, Clarence, whatever his last name was. But, you know, Clarence is no longer with us. So, uh... You can't arrest the boss. Come on. If I'm a cop and I, I pull the boss over, it's probably some young cop who doesn't even know who the boss is. I remember uh, when, uh, you know, Apple thought they were going to be cool and they put like a U2, a U2 record out, uh, a U2 album out on, on iTunes. These young kids were like, they thought it was YouTube. They were like, what's what's this YouTube thing? They didn't even know who uh, who the Edge was, you know, or uh, Bono. They didn't know, you know. So uh, it's probably some young cop didn't even know who the boss was. He says, I'm the boss. And the cop says, you aren't my boss. You know, what are you talking about? Up against the wall. So that, you know, it's kind of a... Sad commentary on the... It's a metaphor for the fate of, of boomers, you know. How quickly they forget. Uh, don't you know who I am? I'm the boss. I can just see the... Anyway, that's... Uh, so, in, a, in another tri-state area story in the news today, uh, some aide to uh, Andrew Cuomo uh, ratted on him... <laughs> He he better watch his back, you know. Uh, I'm still the I'm sure the Cuomo still has some connections with the with the five families, you know. So this guy uh, comes out and says that uh, you know Andrew Cuomo, who's the governor of New York, for those of you who don't keep up with these things, buried some data on you know when this thing was ravaging when the pandemic was ravaging. The state of New York, and particularly New York City, they turfed. The, there's a medical term called buff and turf. My my reference there is House of God by Samuel Shun. Those of you who are acquainted with medicine may have read that, and if you haven't, you got to read it because you don't really understand the practice of medicine until you read House of God. It's a little dated, but still. So. Uh, you'll learn about terms like Gomer, which is get out of my emergency room. And of course, we boomers, we're all Gomers now. You know, everybody ends up a Gomer. Uh, <laughs> Gomer Pyle would be a good good TV series. So anyway, uh, getting, getting uh, in my long-winded way around to the point, uh, Cuomo advised these... Uh, I don't know if he told them to do this, but what was done was they figured we got to protect, namely the healthcare people, probably the professionals, but also the other patients. So they took these old uh, COVID cases, old people with COVID, and turfed them out to the nursing homes. And turf means the buff and turf is from House of God. You you try to get you try to stabilize the patient. So you can, Gomer stands for get out of my emergency room. So you try to stabilize the patient so you can get them out of your emergency room 
and back in the nursing home where they belong. Well, guess what? When you send somebody who has COVID to a nursing home, that is the ultimate super spreader event. And many, many, many of the uh, deaths in New York were as a result of uh, turfing these gomers with COVID back to the nursing home, and then everybody else there got it. You know, these people are on death door, a lot of them anyway. That's why they're in a nursing home. So, you know, that was a, the ultimate super spreader event. And apparently Cuomo quashed the uh, statistics on that, which is, you know, which proves my point that um, up until January 6th, my personal opinion on Trump was that he was like any other politician, only more so. And, you know, the Iron Fist was not... uh, ensconced within a velvet glove and you know the more sophisticated politicians know how to you know be a wolf in sheep's clothing trump was just a wolf with no clothing of certainly the sheep variety well all that changed in my mind on the six but that's another story so you know so these are things that are happening to some of our progressive icons out on the East Coast. And I, Cuomo's actually not that much of a progressive icon. He's more of the Biden strain of uh, of politician. So, anyway. So today, just going to go through some uh, notes to myself to talk about on the program. Let's see... This was a quote from Designing Women that I loved. There's a Gary, it's an old movie with Gary Cooper and Lauren Bacall. And it's, and Gary Cooper, or not Gary Cooper, uh, Gregory Peck. And there's one line in the script I wrote, I pulled out, and it says, If there's one thing I've learned in this world, it's the exact moment not to be frank and above board. <laughs> and this is in relationship to his relationship. Um, and then another, this is from Turner Classic Movies, there was a movie I was watching called The Nuisance, which is about an ambulance chasing lawyer. That would be a great remake uh, in in this day and age, because we still have the ambulance chaser. And one of my best friends, by the way, is a trial lawyer, but he is not, categorically not, an ambulance chaser. I used to give him grief about that, but... You know, he takes the cases that uh, there is no defense for. And yet, and he specializes, unfortunately, in medical. And unfortunately, he has not had a shortage of these cases over the years. Now, here's another quote from Designer, Designing Women. And this is a comedy, okay? So take it as in the spirit of humor. Speaking of spirits... He says, liquor, I have found, makes me very smart. (laughs) God knows, many a bad decision has been made under the influence. And the sound you hear is me throwing those notes away, because I don't know that there's anything I can do with those other than talk about them on 
this uh, podcast. Now, a company called Bumble went public, and this is a dating company, one of these like uh, Match.coms, but it has a very checkered history. Uh, the entrepreneur and founder is a woman named Whitney Wolf. Whitney Wolf Heard. So when you think of herd immunity, you know. Uh, so the idea here is that women basically control the platform in terms of who gets to, I don't know, you know, they pick the guys, I guess. The guys can't reach out to them, I think is the idea. I don't know. The last thing I'm looking for is another woman. I got one already. And that's plenty. So uh, she says, though, you cannot, and she didn't say exactly this. She said you cannot replicate a brand. And I said, I modified her quote to say you can't code a brand. So in other words, people talk about algorithms and, yeah, what you know, there's no moat because somebody could come up with an app just like yours, which is true, although that's not as easy as people think it is either. But she's right. I mean, if you got a great brand, you know, it's easy to develop a software platform. It's hard to get people to use it. So it comes down to marketing, and that's what I do for a living. And I don't know that I'm that great at it, but I know how hard it is because I've tried marketing many things, and it's not easy. I always admire people who are successful in it, uh, in any domain, but especially consumer. So... And the nature of it has changed a lot, obviously, over my career, uh, which spans the centuries. So, uh, But the one thing that hasn't changed is what she says, the power of a brand. I heard a number of different people talking about the power of brands, and it's true. You know, we won't get into the marketing discussion, because that's not what this podcast is about. But anyway, uh, Kramer did a comparison. I don't, that's not a space I'm investing in, but, uh, you know, if he had to pick Bumble versus Match, which is the other publicly traded dating thing, he would pick Bumble because of the growth rate, basically. And uh, they also have, like, a business networking thing they're trying to do. And they also have, like, just meeting friends. And that, you know, my wife tells me it's hard for her to meet new friends. I don't, I'm not looking for any new friends. (laughs) I got enough friends. But, uh, you know, my wife likes to make female friends in particular, and it's kind of hard for her. So I think that's a plus, you know. It's not just about meeting a guy. It's about meeting other women. And I'm sure there's, like, a sisterhood networking thing on the business side going on there. So uh, when I was in the healthcare marketing thing, all the, the you know, gender neutral or co-ed or whatever you want to call it, uh, marketing, medical marketing outfits went out of business. The one that was growing like a weed was the Healthcare Business Women's Association. And guys could go, but it was kind of like, you know, <laughs> wasn't really where he wanted to be as a guy. And uh, I thought that was kind of sad, actually, that all the other ones went out of business. But that thing was booming because the pharma companies, you know, got to do a diversity play. So they would, like, underwrite the thing to develop women in business. and I mean, it was just like a booming industry. So there's a lesson to be learned there. 
if you get the right side of this whole diversity woke thing, you can make a lot of money. And I'm thinking Bumble is kind of like that. So if you're going to play there, I would probably go with Bumble and go with Kramer's recommendation. Uh, okay. But I'm not going to go with it. So that's going in the garbage. That's going in the circular file, although mine is actually rectangular. Uh, another Kramer quote, uh, to the tune of uh, Fly Into the Danger Zone, the Top Gun theme, and I guess there's a sequel coming out about Top Gun. Sequel to Top Gun. He says the market looks awful frothy and uh, like froth on a, on the top of a beer. It looks good, but it doesn't last. And I would expand on that from froth to fraud. Because you've got some stuff out there like this uh, GameStop and Dogecoin. I mean, these are just scams. And if you go out on social, you know, you can just smell fraud. There's guys doing this like, you know, uh, follow me on Twitter. And the first, I'll pick a person at random and send them a $1,000 in Dogecoin. And you know that's not happening. So... I don't know if you can even find these guys because they're masked through social, but, uh, you know, I can smell fraud out there and, and these young people who are going out there on their own, you know, they haven't seen this stuff. I've seen it, you know, decade after decade. So beware. And I, Kramer calls the Robin Hood traders the merry men, as in Robin Hood's merry men in Sherwood Forest. And, you know, Sherwood Forest is a scary place, folks. So, stay away from that. Let's see. Kramer likes MGM. Uh, Kramer likes MITK, which is a fintech stock. I don't know anything about it. So Zynga, Z-Y-N-G-A, could be a good long. It's a, it's a gaming company. And that stuff has got a lot of eyeballs. A lot of people are gamers. These multiplayer, massively multiplayer games and virtual worlds, they've got a lot of eyeballs. So let's see what else we got here. NIO, N-I-O, that's the Chinese electric company. Um, Kramer, very bearish on that. So I pretty much agree with that. But again, those are tough to play because you got a lot of rational players in there and market manipulators. So that's not for me. See what else we get. And I would argue it's not for you. What else have we got? I just passed this along. I was on a I'm on the board of the Independent Writers of Chicago, and there was a woman who did a presentation for us on putting together it's a company called Copyfolio. It's like a, a, a website development firm just for writers. So they're offering like free websites for writers. And it's a complete startup, so you know if they're going to be around. And they're based in Hungary. So there's this woman named Dorka, literally. I'm not making this up. 
D-O-R-K-A. That's her name. So it's one of those things where you've got idioms that are cross-cultural. Like there's an old story about GM created a, a brand name for a car in the U.S. and in, I don't know, wherever, some other foreign country, the name was synonymous with the devil. So that didn't work out. So that's a classic story. you gotta, you got to check it out if your name means something obscene in some other language. But Dorka obviously wouldn't be a good name, especially, well, even for a guy. And uh, so she's this, uh, you know, really, you know, very photogenic young woman. And her English, better than mine, you know, just a killer presentation. So, you know, this is the world I think we live in. Uh, I don't think that you're going to be able to roll this globalization thing back you know, this whole MAGA thing. Uh, and Joe's picking up some of that now. I, I, you know, we're in a global competition now. And you just have to recognize that. So, I don't know how to address it in terms of, you know, wages. But we're not back in the 50s anymore, folks. So, anyway... Let's see what else we got here. This is all not podcast material. Toyota. I think Toyota is a buy. And you could play this with options. They've got an edge on the rest of the world, it seems like, at least U.S. companies, because they are not having a problem getting microchips. You know, your, your car is like a computer now. And there's chip shortages here in the U.S. But for whatever reason, you know, Japan is not having that problem. And I think maybe they have some fabricating factories there. But, you know, they're also closer to Taiwan. And Taiwan is a big manufacturer of chips, Taiwan Semiconductor. So it's a shorter commute by sea if they're shipping them by sea. And there's a whole big problem going on now with containers. Uh, You know, China, there's a container shortage. And China is paying more for them than the U.S. is because I mentioned this on the show the other day. You know, what goes to China is commodity food. And what comes from China is electronics. And the margins, obviously, are higher on the electronics. So... So U.S. uh, exporters are having trouble getting containers. And you get ships out at harbor for like seven days, which normally would be like 24 hours on the West Coast. So anyway, Toyota is going to be able to make their cars faster. And I think you may be looking at inventory shortages, which is a great problem for manufacturers to have. But it's not so great if you can't get the damn ships. And supposedly, now even Kramer's talking about industrial policy, you know, a, a, a Operation Warp Speed for chips, and I, I don't like those types of things. I think you do that in a healthcare crisis. I don't think you do it because there's a temporary shortage of chips. You know, industrial policies are stupid. Let the market fill those, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, um, I would 
I would go with Toyota. I mean, I drive a Lexus, and other than all the body damage I've gotten by parking on the street and driving around like Mr. Magoo running into stuff, um, the, the uh, zero problems with the car. So it's a great brand. It's a great uh, company behind the brand, and uh, I'm, I'm bullish. So you definitely sell some puts. By the way, this is not investment advice because I don't want to go to jail or anything. Let's see. A few other companies that have been mentioned positively. Uh, Symbol CMLF. I don't even know what that is. Semaphore. S-E-M-A-4. Oh, that's, I think that's what that is. CMLF is the symbol. Uh... And they bought this outfit called A1 Health, or Semaphore, I'm sorry, S-E-M-A-4, the digit. And that's AI Health. I don't know if that's, you know, I don't know if that's a winner or not, but it's a thing that happens. So it's worth taking a look at. Uh, One thing I noted is biotech, because of all this warp speed, is being repositioned as the good guys versus the ad-supported tech companies that impinge on privacy. So that is amazing because pharma's been getting kicked around for decades as a, you know, uh, evil empire, but now it's saving humanity. So that is good for its reputation. Who knew? One of the few positives out of all this. Yeah, so that back to that uh, CMLF symbol, which is one of these SPACs, uh, it's the AI-driven standard of care that they're trying to come up with. Uh, which, you know, that's easier said than done with medical people. But And then I wrote down just the word clubhouse. Um, I've talked a little bit about it. I've kind of tried it and not liked it and moved on. And it's not publicly traded, but I do know it's achieved a valuation of... Uh, like a billion dollars already. Here's something. There's a doc out there named, uh, he goes by the name Z-Dog, and his real name is Zubin. I can't remember. But he is of East Asian Indian extraction, or ancestry, or heritage. Very smart guy, funny guy. Uh, And he quoted... I think a guy named Ken Wilber, W-I-L-B-E-R, he said, the left, and right ring, the left and right wings have to remember they belong to the same bird, you know? And that is in reference to the American Eagle. I thought that was a pretty clever way of expressing uh, the challenge we've got, which is to make sure we try to think of ourselves as part of one country again. And then my uh, my assistant, who's from Bosnia, actually, he said to me yesterday, I think it was, he said, uh, you know, as an immigrant, I have one question for Trump. Is, is what happened on January 6th how you think we should make America great again? And I thought, boy, that's, a, that's powerful from an immigrant, you know. And, of course, you got the impeachment trial going on now, which I have not watched one second of. It'll be interesting to see what the vote is, but, you know, 
What a waste of time it would be to watch that, in my opinion. For me, at least. It would be a waste of my time. So, Wilbur writes about uh, transpartisanship, which might be better referred to as postpartisanship. And he talks about uh, narrow lines of compassion evolving into broader lines of compassion. And it's kind of a Christian thing. I, I think that secular humanism is sort of becoming a Christian-like religion in the sense that, uh, you know, people are compassionate toward perfect strangers. And I have always tried to limit my lines of compassion because what I find is that when you feel compassion for someone then you end up having to make sacrifices for those folks. And I've only got so much sacrificing in me, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, if I feel the pain, like Bill Clinton used to say, I feel your pain. If I feel everybody's pain, there's 7 billion people out there, and they're going to crush little old me, you know? And I mean, if I really felt that kind of compassion for my 7 billion fellow travelers on spaceship earth i'd sell all my possessions and you know go out and 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 work to help them until i you know burn myself out and collapsed in a heap well i don't want to do that and what difference would it make i suppose if everybody did that you know what a wonderful world it would be but i'm not i'm not gonna you know not gonna open myself up to feeling sorry for everybody i see on television and everybody that I read about who has problems. So, uh, but that's kind of where society has moved, you know. Uh, There's an old quote, I can't remember who said it, but, you know, as long as one person is suffering, I am suffering. And man, you're going to be suffering. You're always going to be suffering then. I mean, I feel sorry enough for myself. But anyway, in it. <clears throat> so I thought that was an interesting line of discussion. So if you want to read more about that, uh, look up Ken Wilber, K-E-N-W-I-L-B-E-R. I don't think I'm going to do that because guess what? There's no money in it. And i got to make some money here, folks. So And so do you. That's why you listen, hopefully. Now, here's a quote I've seen before. Julie Andrews said this, The amateur works until she can get it right. The professional works until she cannot get it wrong. And so I would actually categorize myself as an amateur, you know, because if I get it right, that's good enough. That's probably, you know, my Peter Principle level, actually, if I get it right. But the professional you know, works much harder until they can't get it wrong. And I think that's the kind of guy Tom Brady is. And that's why he's got, you know, what, eight rings now? Two more and he's got a whole... I think he's trying to get two more so he has one for each finger. But then he has toes, too. So, you know, who knows? This guy could be playing, like, as long as George Blanda. Anyway. Now, here's a quote that... You know, if I really wanted to start some, some, some stuff on social media, I could put out there, resistance to tyranny is obedience to God. And Thomas Jefferson said that. 
Now, Thomas Jefferson wasn't all that religious, I don't think, if what I read was, if I recall correctly. But, you know. Now, I was watching a film the other day on TCM, and it turned out it was based historically. So Cuba, you know, we all know what happened, well, at least I remember, and you may too. 1959, you had the Cuban Revolution with Fidel Castro, which is when it turned communist, and almost blew up the whole world like four years later because we tried to do something about that, and the Russians took exception. So they, after the Bay of Pigs in 61 under uh, Kennedy, which had been plotted, of course, under Eisenhower, we tried to pull this little invasion and coup thing, <laughs> speaking of coups, and our guys got slaughtered at the Bay of Pigs. Pigs get slaughtered. So uh, I don't know why they call it the Bay of Pigs either. I suppose when the Spanish came, they had some pigs running around. So evidently there was another coup in 1933, a coup attempt at least. There was a guy named Gerardo Mucado. And uh, either they did oust him or they tried. Well, I didn't know about that one. So that's a little historical side note that you won't hear anywhere else. In fact, probably you won't hear it here because nobody listens. All right. I don't think this has to do with... uh, well, yeah, I guess this was a stock. There's a company called, uh, it's a social discovery company. Social video, I think it's called SH HyperConnect. And it's headed by a guy named Gary Swidler, S-W-I-D-L-E-R, which sounds way too close to Swindler. I used to work with a company, uh, had two two guys running it, and they both had names that sounded like Thieve and Swindler. and <laughs> if, I, if I had a name like that, I would honestly probably change it, you know, because it's bad branding. I thought about changing my name to Healy, you know, as opposed to Nugent, because that has some negative connotations in certain circles. Uh, Ted Healy, that would be my new name. Maybe I'll use that as a nom de plume. Here's an interesting question that came to mind, and this relates to Bitcoin, okay? And I'm not a Bitcoin guy. So look at look at uh, currency as an asset, if you will, like <clears throat> a stock. So what's the volatility level if you rank all the possible uh, currencies or currency substitutes? Well, you get the dollar, gold, silver, Bitcoin in the euro, okay? Now, two of those are basically fiat currencies. Two of those are precious metals that have traditionally been used to, uh, to back paper money. And uh, Bitcoin, of course, is the, <clears throat> the crypto horse in that race. So if I were to rank them on volatility, in other words, how much fluctuation do you have in the value of that compared to, say, gold or compared to the Bitcoin or the, the Economist Big Mac Index or something like that. 
And that, by the way, is, you know, the economists kind of jokingly thought, what, what commodity can we use to, uh, you know, be the benchmark for all the currencies? And the one thing that's sold all over the world is pretty standard is the Big Mac. So they actually have an index that ties each currency to the Big Mac. And uh, so you could use that. How many Bitcoin does it take to get a Big Mac? Well, you know, it's a sliver now. At one time, you could probably get a Bitcoin for the price of a Big Mac. Now it's worth like, you know, 10,000 Big Macs. So the most volatile one is Bitcoin. I mean, that thing has gone from, you know, zero to 48 now, I think it is, $48,000. But then it was just recently $10,000. So that has got to be the most volatile one. But if I'm a corporation, a treasurer, and I want something that has an upside potential, then it's certainly got a lot more upside potential than the dollar does. And it may have even, it obviously has even more downside potential than the dollar does. But, you know, if I'm a bull, maybe I want to take 1% or 5% of my treasury and put it in that. And it's kind of a hedge against inflation. I would say the dollar is probably next right now because. You know, the dollar has lost like 10 or 15% of its value in the last year or two. That's a lot for the dollar. Uh, Silver, I would probably rank third because that's been run up on this uh, uh, Robin Hood thing. It went from 20 to 30 in like a week. I mean, it's a 50% move. But it doesn't do that all the time, and now that's kind of played out. The euro, I would probably say, is more stable right now than the dollar because we're moving into a socialist environment and they're already there. And they're a lot less loose with the purse than we are because the Germans are always battling the, the Southern Europeans, the Nordics, you know. So there's that's like conservatives versus liberals in, in European terms. So think of the the northern countries as sort of the the Republicans, even though they're much more socially safety net oriented. But they're conservative because the Germans saw that hyperinflation, uh, and they generally are more you know linking work with 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 income and wealth. And then I would say the least volatile thing right now is gold. Because gold's not moving around a lot, you know? So um, so that's just an interesting way of looking at things. And if you're going to take your cash or cash equivalents and put it in something, uh, maybe you diversify across all those, or I don't know. I don't know what the strategy is, but I think that's kind of the way you have to frame it. Now, there was a fellow from Strategus, which is an investment, you know, financial firm, Chris Barone, B-E-R-R-O-N-E. He's pushing REITs as a recovery play. So he's basically saying what you go with now is the stuff that's the most beat up and has the biggest upside potential. 
in a recovery post-vaccine. So there's office REITs, there's retail REITs, and there's mall REITs. I'm not suggesting those, but, you know, the logic of it is that, you know, it's a value play. I don't know where things are going in any of those segments, frankly. And one thing I was thinking about, we've been, you know, the latest harebrained screen harebrained scheme here at Nugent Ventures is, uh, and this isn't necessarily, you know, this isn't what we do in the in the biotech fund, obviously, but I consider, you know, the state is, l'état c'est moi, right? Nugent Ventures, the Nugent part, it's always coming up with ideas to make a buck. And we're talking about a consignment shop, and it occurred to me one day, wait a minute, what about the security issue? I mean, if you have a storefront at street level, you are going to get robbed if you got good stuff in there. That's going to happen. So I don't know. That may be a deal killer for me on that. Maybe you just stay online. They can't really get you online. But, you know, if you got a bunch of Louis Vuitton stuff in, in a store, they're going to come and take it. And the cops aren't really going to be around to stop it, I don't think. Although we do have a lot more police presence here. Let's say I drove up to Evanston. No police. No police on the street. I, th- I think they just keep them in the barn. You know, they don't want any incidents, which I get. But, you know, there's a price for that. So I think if we're going to do that, it would have to be a second floor type of a situation and by appointment only. So at that point, maybe you're just having people come over to the damn house. So anyway. Now, Tim Seymour, uh, Fast Money Talking Head. He had a quote I liked, which is, the best returns are after uh, things go from terrible to just bad. Like, in New York, they just opened up the restaurants again at 25% capacity, and there was a guy in there who was great. It's a, it's a deli that's been in business for over 100 years, and he says, you know what, this is our second pandemic. And we've been in New York forever, and we're staying, because we have to. You know, he's fourth generation running this deli. And he's like, I ain't doing business with these DoorDash guys. They're thieves. Uber Eats, you know. I mean, he's very passionate about what he did. And during the pandemic, he was, like, sending free meals to the healthcare workers. He says, we have to. We're part of this community. So you got to take that into account when people talk about the cities emptying out. There are people who pride themselves, like in New York, about being New Yorkers, and they love the city like a Woody Allen type before he got canceled. So, you know, I mean, and I know people, I was talking to this woman who works for us here, and she's like, I'm not leaving, I'm not going to the suburbs. And she lived there for 25 years. She loves the city. I don't know what she loves about it, but she loves it. So there are people like that. Um... Then this is uh, Josh Brown, uh, downtown Josh Brown, reformed broker, also CNBC talking head, and uh, on the Fast Money program, which I'm watching right now, actually, they're talking about GBTC, which is the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust. So if you want to play in that space, I guess that's how you can do it, and I don't know a lot about it, but, you know... I. If I was going to play Bitcoin, I would probably want to not short it outright, but, uh, you know, buy some puts. 
And, uh, it, you know, out of the money puts just in case the whole thing comes crashing down. Now, a lot of times these trusts don't correlate directly with the underlying. So that's why I would approach that with even more caution. But if you were bullish on it, you could also play it with options on that GBTC, I guess. So I just bring that up. I'm not recommending anything there. I don't plan on really doing anything with it. And so Josh was talking about momentum means buying when you believe others will come in after you. And that's the greater fool theory, okay? That's how a momentum player plays. And to be a momentum player, you have to be something I'm not, which is you have to jump on something early. I'm the cautious type, so I watch and watch and watch, and then I figure, hey, maybe this is for real, and that I'm the last guy in the musical chairs game. And he says, too, that Bitcoin is what we call a Veblen good, V-E-B-L-I-N. And those are goods which are exceptions to the usual rule of price elasticity. Normally, when the price of something rises, the demand goes down. That's the whole basis of economics, the supply-demand curve. But some things, the more expensive they get, the more demand there is because people want to buy things that are expensive and exclusive and nobody else has, or they think it's a momentum play. And that's what Bitcoin is. The more expensive it gets, the more demand there is for it because people think they're going to make money on it. It was like GameStop. It's a Veblen good as a stock. Now, normally that would be like a Louis Vuitton purse or something like that, or, you know, the Dutch tulip bulb scandal. It is characteristic of bubbles and crazy valuations, you know. So that is a phenomenon you have to understand, at least if you're going to be a momentum trader, or if you're going to get into things like luxury goods on the retail level. You know, it doesn't make sense, but neither do neither does human behavior. So you have to be aware of that. Behavioral economics. So anyway, perceived value, all these sorts of stuff. People are not completely rational individuals. So that's the deal. And that's it for today. So um that's 45 minutes, which is longer than I've been wanting to spend on this. But I'm happy to talk all day if somebody listens. So, you know, uh, referrals and shares are always appreciated. If you want our podcast to go on, um, tell all your friends or your enemies. I don't care. Just perfect strangers. Doesn't matter. As long as somebody listens, I will talk. So, but if nobody listens, then I, you know, what's the point? So that's it for today. It's Friday, uh, a Friday in February, and uh, it's very wintry. It is the winter of our discontent. We got a lot of snow. We got a lot of cold. We got a lot of pandemic. Makes it easy to socially distance. So look at it that way. Oh, one other thing. For those of you who hung in the whole thing, I just saw this today on CNBC. ZocDoc is evidently working with, of all places, the city of Chicago to make it easy to sign up in one app and 
register for vaccination. So instead of having to check 14 different sites, she just register there, and I guess somehow it magically, I don't know if it works or not, but the idea is that, you know, it's an efficient and effective way to get vaccine registration and, and dissemination distribution going. So I am going on that right after I get off this, and, uh, you know, part of my staying alive. Uh, 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 staying alive. Now you can see I need to keep the day job, but again, I don't know how to add music to this because I'm a technical illiterate. Uh, so until I get a producer, which is very unlikely given my listenership, I'll do these kind of acapella soundtrack stuff, but that would be a very good song of the song of the decade here. Pandemic music. A little pandemic music, please, Maestro. And so I'm going on ZocDoc. To, so if you haven't gotten this vaccine, I know one friend of mine got it. Uh, somehow he had his girlfriend sign him up at Roseland Hospital. So he's kind of, you know, doing the Q-jumping vaccine cultural appropriation thing. Uh, so the old clock on the wall says the podcast is over. So uh, live long, prosper, wear your mask, get your vax, and hopefully we'll see you on the other side of this pandemic in person. But until then, uh, keep in touch digitally and telephonically. Bye-bye.